Technos, <laughs> Jim Carrey, Kotaku, Destructoid, Dubstep.net, Skrillex, TF2, Voldemort, UFC, Anderson Silva, The Comedy Button. Just, it's fucking weird. Conan O'Brien, Barack Obama, Katy Perry, a bunch of porn stars, 50 Cent. <laughs> Barack Obama, Katy Perry. LeVar Burton, Neil deGrasse Tyson, The Batman, Daniel Tosh. I don't I don't understand this guy. frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Community Soda Episode 18 Special Edition Star Trek The Next Generation. I am Paul, joined by Danny. Space. Final Frontier. We won't make you go through, but it's okay. Doing a Star Trek, sorry. I panicked. Yeah, so the inspiration behind this episode was there was a theater showing of two episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation with the HD updates locally that I went to Ooh, see. Uh, initially, I had thought it was going to be Farpoint Station 1 and 2, but it wasn't. Instead, which was much better, they showed uh, Where No Man Has Gone Before, the first episode with The Traveler. To show off all their fancy new HD graphics. And the second one was Data Lore, the first episode with Lore. Again, to show off. They were both season one, weren't they? Yes. Because at the time when they uh, put them on the theater, it was just season one Blu ray DVDs available. I'm not sure if the season two episodes are available now or if they're going to be real soon, but uh, they're going to do the whole series, apparently. And by... Go ahead. Sorry, carry on, it's fine. 
by how good these episodes looked on the big screen, I'm very tempted to just buy them, even without a Blu-ray player, just until I get one. You can probably pick one up fairly cheap now. But what I was going to say was, um, these were this was kind of unfortunately timed for me because I was just starting to buy all of Deep Space Nine on um, DVD. Yeah, it's like, well, we're doing Star Trek now, so it's like, well, obviously Deep Space Nine is next. Yeah, uh, as well. Oh, and, the, and the I bought the the slimline boxes, bit of a slimline box for season one of Deep Space Nine, and some of the. Um, some of the films, they'd never touched it up from the original tapes. It was just a straight print that they'd copied onto DVD. Yeah. And some of the some of the like some of the effects they had of like shuttle flying into the spaceship, and like the entire bottom of the screen was just missing, and not like it was cut off by bars. It was scratched off where the film had been used. Yeah. You know, while I was watching the two episodes in the theater, I noticed two things that have been bugging me forever the first in the intro for next generation one of the corners always had a blue glow always there was just whenever they did the intro and they just used it forever there just there was distortion in one of the corners and instead of being black of space it was blue and they fixed it and the other thing yeah and i noticed something during the intro when they zoom past the enterprise you can actually look into the conference room on the very top of the ship and see people moving around. That's kind of neat. Which had apparently always been there. <laughs> we just never noticed it. Yeah, because one, the quality was too low, and two, the screen was way too damn small. But there's actually like a little animation of people walking around. That's nice. It was definitely an experience. Um, it was well worth the eleven dollars. Yeah, Jesus, I envy your cinema prices. Yeah, apparently Canada's got some of the lowest. I didn't think I, it was that bad when people were always, "Oh, if it was cheaper, I'd go." It's like, really, you can't afford ten bucks? How cheap are you? No, it's. I um. Yeah. I wanted to go see The Dark Knight Rises in on um IMAX. Uh, yeah. And for an adult ticket. Sixteen pounds fifty. Holy shit! That's like thirty-two dollars. Uh, it's probably close to like twenty-five something, but it's still quite the stretch. Oh, I might be on old Canadian dollar conversion. Yes, I am. It's a dollar fifty. I know. Still. Okay, that's twenty-four dollars. Twenty-four dollars is too damn much. Yeah, but I, I get it because it's I get it because it's IMAX and it's kind of a specialist thing, I guess. But well, yeah, IMAX is always more expensive. To be fair, I'm pretty sure IMAX here is about twenty even. Then again, like regular tickets are probably like ten pounds over here. That's still you're paying like five or six dollars more than I am. I'd say it's roughly. Five pounds? No, yeah. let's say about six. Yeah, it's about six pounds for me to go to a movie. Yeah, I'd love that. Although the one of the neat things about the one of the cinemas in Manchester called Odeon, they have this thing called the Odeon Film Club, and they'll just show old action movies. Like uh, I think last month they were showing um, Connor. I think they're showing Robocop this month. 
good. Yeah. My theater does that, but only for employees. Yeah. I've also seen I've also seen like a billion stories of employees just like playing fucking Xbox on the projectors, which would be awesome. Yeah. I looked up here, the theater in my town, you can rent it out. One of the smaller ones, and I think it's about $100 for a full night. Getting That's a 360 hooked up, $25 a person, that is something I would be willing to do for sure. Yeah, that'd be really neat. Although I'd love to watch, see if anybody has <laughs> uh, copies of the old Star, Star, Star Wars, the original cinema prints, because there's got to be a few people with those. Yeah. To be fair, you could probably just download a digital copy and rent out the theater and do it that way. Yeah, I know there's um, the only digital copy I've seen, though, of um, Star Wars, the original cuts, are they, they released them once on DVD, a very limited release, and it's 4x3, even though they had wide, widescreen VHSs. Oh, that's what Torrance Which is for. obviously kind of like... It's like, well, you can buy these new updated versions in widescreen, or you can get the old, pathetic versions in 4x3. You don't want this nostalgic, wonderful trip through space and a massive adventure. You want CGI bullshit. Now suck my penis, please. Yeah. Thank God Roddenberry's son decided, no, we just want straight conversion. They didn't replace a single thing outside of visual effects. We just have to wait for Lucas to die. But then again, does Lucas have any kids? I have no idea. Or is Star Wars just his baby? I think he was married. Google to the rescue! Yeah, I've never heard of him having kids. He's definitely married. Oh, he was married and divorced. And now he's going out with some. I don't think he has any children. Huh. Nope. So we just have to hope that he dies and someone else gets his spot. Well, I wonder who it would go to. Who he's willed his estate to. It would probably mm. just go to uh, Lucasfilm. Just whoever's next in line for president would take it. Kind of like the whole Steve Jobs stepping down or getting fired by his own company, I suppose. I don't think he was fired. I think he stepped down there because he was about to cook. No, I mean the first time. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you can be ousted by the board if you have investors. Yeah. They feel you own the company and then they can kick you out and replace you. But if you are the company, then it's yours. Yeah. Well, seeing as this is a Star Trek episode, I feel like I have to ask you to. It's like picking your favorite of the children. Can you pick one that is uh, your favorite? All the children. Pick what, uh, of the series or episodes? TNG. Of TNG. TNG episodes? Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm terrible with names, so I might just like vaguely describe stories to you. Um, 
obviously the episode where Picard lives in a whole other life in that um, town when he gets probed. I can't remember the name of that episode, and it's pissing me off now. Uh, Uh, Yes, the one where he has the flute. Yes. That is an excellent episode. I believe that's season three. I think it's five. Five? Yeah. Let's see. Wesley, Spock, Spock. Borf, Data. Crew's memories erased. Wesley, Deanna. The Inner Light. That's the name of the episode. Ah, okay. Yeah, that was that was quite the. I love the episodes where they just get to go nuts. Yeah. And let their imaginations run wild. And it's a very sweet episode. I, I I generally like the episodes that are less action heavy of Star Trek. Next Generation was a drama oh, at its core. Yeah. But I think I think. TNG was best when it was a more of a character drama than a political drama. Like the first season was very, well, the big overarching story was very political subterfuge, maybe, and then it just became monsters. Yeah, that was kind of dry, and then kind of gave up on big overarching stories, really, didn't they? Uh, up until the one with the weird parasites taking over Starfleet Command. Yeah, and then that was kind of the last one they had. Yeah, they definitely tried to step that back and just focus more on individual episodes. Yeah, so I, I love the inner light. It's a very sweet episode. It's we tear up every time. I, I mean, um, they did lift weights and punch God in the throat. Um, terrible with names. Uh, Eyeborgs. Good. The one where they find the damaged Borg. Ah, uh, yeah. And then heal them back to life, and they all have to self-confront their own prejudices and biases about the Borg. And that was Q, to... right? Or not Q. Uh... Oh, they gave him a name, too. Oh, shit, I know what you mean as well. Ah, uh, what is his name? He took a name. Anyways, I forget what his name is. That was one of the few times as well where that's, that um, planted seeds for a future episode, the one where Law finds them after he goes back to the Borg, he damages them because of individuality, and then Law finds them and tries, tries to give them a leader. That was a nice episode. That was a nice way to sort of plant that seed for later on. Hugh, that's his name. Hugh, yeah. I especially love that. That's one of the films well you see guy like really upset and angry and super passionate. Yeah. Oh, that's why I like the one with uh, Q becoming human and taking asylum on the ship so much. Where he and Guinan kind of she stabs him with bark. Yeah. So good. Yeah. But it's wonderful to see, like, as much as they, like, they really try and put the characters up on pedestals. Like, they show, like, these are wonderful, great people, but even they have foils and foibles. Mm-hmm. And that was what really, one of the only times we really see Gunn's, you know, more human somewhere. She's less sort of above everyone else, and she's 
where Picard's giving her advice and trying to sort of temper. Yeah. Doesn't matter how high and mighty you are when your entire species pretty much is wiped out by somebody, you hold a grudge. Yeah. Which is one thing that I didn't like about um, First Contact because Picard was convinced her to not hate the Borg anymore and then he's like, no, I hate the Borg, I'm so sad. Yeah, they kind of backpedaled on a lot of things they had worked out in the series for the sake of we have a movie idea, do whatever you can to make it work I will never get over what thing, assimilate this <laughs> uh, and somebody thought that was just a genuinely good idea let's just give Worf a witty one liner would love somebody to just take the ending speech um, the Measure of a Man, and one of my favorite episodes. But Picard talks about humanity and the soul, and does Data have a soul? And then just end it with a like this. And just the contrast. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm surprised you didn't mention who watches the Watchers. The one where the uh, primitive Vulcan like civilization puts. Picard on a pedestal uh, thinking he's a god. I, I quite like that. And that also has Robert Wise from Robocop. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do like that episode. It just didn't jump out at me immediately. That was okay. Uh, one of my other favorites is uh, Allegiance. I think it's season th- the end of season three. where uh, The one with Wolf? Nope. It's the one where they replace Picard with a duplicate. And he's trapped in a room with four other prisoners. And the duplicate's acting really weird on the Enterprise. Yes. He's singing and things like that. And he goes and plays poker with the crew. And everybody kind of starts to get curious. And it really tests how much the people on the ship trust him. And whether or not they can realize if he's an imposter or not. Yeah, and they have him in the room with the the voracious carnival wild man, the pacifist who gives over to everybody and him, and then one different, just the student. Yeah, the ensign from the academy. Yeah. It was a good episode. I loved, um, yeah, the scene in the bar where the car starts to fucking sing along with a bear in his hand. Yeah. I just love that episode primarily for all of the facial expressions Riker pulls. Oh, God. Condescending Riker is the best Riker. Yeah. It's just the shocked look on his face when the captain starts singing is something I'll never forget. It's great. And my other favorite, regardless of whether it's really good or not, has always been Darmok. Oh, God, yeah. Darmok's fucking incredible. Who told you that's not great? I, I don't know. I just People don't mention it a lot, so I just assume everybody forgets about it. It's just, that's the one... Yeah, that's one episode Sorry. that I always, always remember off pretty much the entirety of. Yeah, I love, I love the idea of an entire just speaking metaphor. Yeah. That was a great episode. Darmok and Gerard on Tanagra. Tanagra on the ocean.
so many great episodes. <laughs> it's had I can't even say it's had the ups and downs. Like it's only down is like season one. That that's a down. That's it. Yeah. And it's not even I, much of a down. I will say it's consistently improved from like season one to season four, and it kind of plateaued for five and six, and seven was just a bit worse. Like there were some really stupid episodes in seven. Like mm-hmm. one where they had like a Scottish ghost story with Beverly. Yeah, that was they were running out of ideas. Let's make her fall in love with a ghost. Let's ghost. Like, and they were like, well, what was it? Well, plasma, energy, ghost. Daily and ghost. They had no, yeah. like, there was no justification. Like, there wasn't, oh, this is a new sentient species. Never in case. Like, yeah. Like, um, either in season six or season seven, the episode where they find out that what travel is damaging the galaxy. Oh, yeah, and they try, there's the group trying to prevent warp from everybody and then they're like no we'll just put a entire federation wide ban on going over warp 6 unless it's an emergency oh god that was that episode was so clear. just oil is bad if you use it you should feel bad yeah um like i kind of led into like some of the more like deep space nine is really guilty of just, like really 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 hard pushing of morality it tells like can't you see how bad you are you need to fix it because it's bad in it yeah and then there's like an entire season focused on how religion while not inherently bad is the fault of the leaders and just weird things like that yeah like it was to a lesser extent, there was, a neat, there was neat stuff in Deep Space Nineteen, one about separation of church and state, and that wasn't overly preachy. Like it was, and a really nice, nice scene where they're all talking about like it's teaching science with no philosophy and ideology into itself. Is religion a positive change? Is religion a positive force? Yeah. When is it a negative force? How do people use it as negative? Also, that, that that episode is wonderful. Where that where that whole episode where Kate because Kate is just such a fucking badass. People really don't like her. Oh, God. I I I don't know if I like her that much as a character because she's, she's kind of superfluous. But just that scene when the holy leader just like I think we can come to some agreement. Is there room in your school for the prophets? And she just says no. Yeah. It's just people like not even just they don't like they hate her. She's kind of pointless, and she does just get in trouble all the time. The reason I liked that episode so much and her in that episode is because she gets to do something and be useful. I don't know. I, f- she's, I don't view her as a character on her own. She's part of O'Brien. That's Maybe that's why yeah. I don't hate her. Might be the only episode where you really do get to see her like do stuff. Yeah. Um, oh. Another episode I actually really dislike is the one with Wesley at the Academy with the flying accident. A lot of it, I, there's like good parts in it, but overall I just, I feel like the episode was poor. Uh, Wesley can be a, just such a downer. Yeah, they didn't use him very well most of the time. It was just kind of... I see why they got rid of him for a long time because it was just like, oh look, ten-year-old boy saved the ship again. Yeah. 
even though they set it up so early with that Traveler episode. Like, no, no, yeah. he's he's actually, like, a legitimate genius. Yeah, that was episode six. That was the very beginning of the first season. They set up Wesley as being important. And still they didn't use him properly. Yeah. I'm kind of glad they got rid of him, though, because it just let the main characters on the ship do things. Yeah. Yeah, they fixed a lot of stuff after season one. I think making Jordy LaForge chief engineer was a really good idea. Yeah, when did the chief engineer die? They didn't have a permanent one. They cycled through a few. Um, the very first episode, it was Be- for a few episodes, it was Beardy Guy. He was in Date War. I can't remember the name of Beardy Guy. Yeah, he was also episodes, in Where No Man Has Gone Before. Yeah, a few episodes, it was an Asian guy whose name I can't remember. And then it was this middle-aged blonde lady who I can't remember either. It's funny how as soon as one of them died on screen, they're like, Jordy, you're chief engineer now. Yeah. And at the start of season two, like, the first thing, like, Riker says to him is chief engineer, and they all have do do a smile. It's great. Oh, yeah, that's when Pulaski showed up, too. Yeah, Pulaski was in it for that season. I, I really liked her. She was essentially a female Bones. I, I can see that. I just, I kind of like Beverly, but she's not the character. wasn't great. Uh, Gates McFadden. Yeah, like she was good when she was being strong and standing up to the card, but then she's trying to show emotion with Wesley. It's just like really, really trying. I just don't believe it. Yeah, she was really just when she was doing the mother character or the mother variation of her character, it wasn't great. It was just like, hey, look, this is what moms look like, right? Yeah, like, I, I really bought like her legitimate feelings of guilt that she was attracted to Picard. Like, I bought that. I bought her and Picard a lot, but I just didn't buy her as a mother. And Yeah. She did well when Wesley was off the ship, though, and when she wasn't kissing alien ghosts. <laughs> oh, the, what's her name? She's in the first episode of The Trill as well. Yeah. Where there's like a vague hint of homosexuality and people went mad apparently. Oh, people. <laughs> and then in Deep Space Nine they just have two women kiss and just say, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, one of them ran before, so, right? Yep. And uh, that, that, that was an episode that directed by uh, the actor who played Benjamin Zisco. Oh, yeah, him. And she's like, we, we needed, it needed to be about the romance, not titillation. And they're just like, their faces, To be fair, they'd kind of been saying that up for a while with talking about Dax's past hosts. Yeah. Although I do, I do think it was, like, I, I just like to imagine just Cisco and Chet's having, more Kong! More Kong! <laughs> and then when there's not enough, he just does, <laughs> he just does the Cisco facepalm when they screw it up. Oh. Oh, Pulaski, uh, Moriarty. Oh, yes. That was a cool episode. Elementary, Dear Data. They had a setup for how many? I think he was in three episodes. Moriarty? Yeah. Oh, he was in just just that further one. He was, 
There was an episode in season one where trying to solve something and Johnny mentions Sherlock Holmes today and then he walks around with a pipe for the rest of the episode and like tries to talk like him. Let's see. There's Elementary to Your Data, which is the first episode with Moriarty. And then there's Ship in a Bottle, which has Sparkly and it also has Moriarty in it. Mm-hmm. And oh, I guess it's just two. Yeah. I could have swore there was, was a third one. The one where the computer accident accidentally creates a sentient being, which is Moriarty, and then there's the second one where Moriarty tries to take over the ship and leave the holodeck. And they just put him in a hollow cube and let him have his adventures. Barkley was a interesting character when they didn't overuse him. Yeah, I like the episode where Berkeley takes them to the center of the galaxy. When he gets hit by a probe, he just becomes super Barkley. Oh, yeah. I like the one where... Well, actually, I don't like the episode itself, but I like the end of the episode where everybody gets... starts to devolve. Oh, yeah. And Worf turns into some crazy mad sex beast, and Deanna's like a frog. I just like at the very end how she's like, well, we'll call it Barkley's disease, seeing as you were the first person to be diagnosed with it. And at first he's shocked and kind of grossed out and then he's kind of proud a little bit <laughs> the first episode of him as well right where he has copies of everyone in the holodeck oh god that was, fantasies. that was so good and Picard oh the mother on the bridge and trying to give him confidence and then Picard says good luck Mr. Broccoli yeah <laughs> Barkley <laughs> I mean Barkley <laughs> And then he runs off and goes, that mispronunciation is one of the most common of humans. Bark to Brock. And, oh, God. Uh, oh, and Data trying to learn how to tell jokes. Oh, with a... Carl Carver's name, comedian, was on Saturday Night Live. Isn't Joe Piscopo. Joe Piscopo, that's it. He was not a good comedian, but in that episode, he kind of worked. Yeah. Just him, Data doing, like, the arm pumping with the cigar in his hand, trying to tell a joke. And then I said to her, this isn't funny, is it? No, Data, it's not. I'll say, if you had to just sing a one episode that was your favorite. (sighs) Mine would be Darmok. I think I'll go with what I have in here, which is the drumhead. Sorry, you cut out. Sorry? You cut out. I didn't hear what you said. Hello? Danny? I'll go. Yeah, the end has been a bit shitty. Can you hear me? Yep. So, so, um, if I have to pick one, then I'll go with the drumhead. Drumhead. The one where they're trying to find a, um, they find a Klingon infiltrator, and then the prosecutor is desperate to find an accomplice, and she accuses a guy because he's a quarter Romulan. Oh yeah, and then just everybody on the ship essentially starts going through the trials, and, and then, then she, she tries to accuse Picard. Yeah, After, because he was assimilated by the Borg, and now he can't be trusted, and yeah. Alright, I think now we should take a break. 
and maybe restart the call and try and fix this. If while you're out at space, love, you're horny as a tug, take a tip from a security chief, love. That fat's Latasha Yar. She discovered the pleasures of data. He became her sexual pet. Cause he's fully functional and anatomically correct. He's fully functional and anatomically correct. He's defiant. With its thrusters, will explode in your wormhole And will rub his trusty spangler wrench on your warp core manifold His multi-phasic torpedo will penetrate your rift And cause a quantum singularity in your transwarp conduit So if you're a filthy hoarder, data's your bestest bet Cause he's fully functional and anatomically correct He's fully functional and anatomically correct He gently massages your gel packs while he replicates some lube Then he shoves his throbbing razor beast into your Jeffrey's tube Lower your shield, spread your nacelles to make room for his craft As he thrusts his delta flyer into your big fat juicy aft So if you're a filthy hoarder, data's your bestest bet Cause he's fully functional and anatomically correct Functional and anatomically correct His pelvis a tireless engine He shakes it when he struts He's full of dilithium crystals In his bolts and in his nuts He too likes to be pleasured He will put you on your knees And if you're into disgrace He will cover your face with his android antifreeze Data's your bestest bet Cause he's fully functional And anatomically correct He's fully functional And anatomically correct He's fully functional And anatomically correct says that was my, one of Michael Doran's favorite episodes as well. With his other being the offspring. Oh, with Data's daughter. Oh, yeah, that was a... That was a... That was a... That was a that was well. You get to see Data desperately trying to be a dad. Yeah. I just like the end when the Admiral just finally kind of 
caves and accepts data as being a sentient life form with rights. Yeah. And his little monologue at the end, his hands were moving so fast I couldn't even keep up with them. Yeah, that's a, it's a sad episode, but I, I really, it's, I really, it's always fun to see. Like, Data is by far the most relatable character in the show because he's the one with the most problems and the most, like, clearly the most troubled out of like the kind of, like perfect people. Yeah. Later on, that became O'Brien, and that's why O'Brien got all the shit. He was such a relatable character. He was such an everyman that. By the end of his run on TNG and when he was in DS9, he got so much shit happened to him because people could relate to him so easily. Yeah. He was always... Oh, Brian was always uh, just a, a down to it. Like, I loved him and um, Jules, Julian. Yeah. Because Julian was the perfect man, like, bioengineered to be quicker, smarter, and faster and stronger. And here he was, just like mucking in with a with just like the every man. Yeah. <clears throat> Did you watch Farscape? I recall Farscape. Is that the one with um, guy from Hercules named Kevin Solo? No, that's Andromeda. Right, Farscape. Then no. Farscape has uh, the guy from the end of SG One's run who replaced Jack. John, uh, Ben Browder. Yeah. It was, it was definitely no, it was, um, God, when did it start? Oh yeah. It started in 1999. It had a four year run. It was kind of the beginning of the super special space drama programs. Yeah. Well, I mean, while Star Trek was big, you could fucking put any kind of sci-fi show together and it'd last fucking at least a couple seasons. Yeah. Uh, I started watching Farscape, uh, I guess a month, two weeks ago. I just started into the second season. It's really good, kind of. In that, um, the show itself kind of cheesy. Uh, the main character gets—he's just some NASA guy test flying a new spaceship when solar flare hits and whatever he sent through a wormhole to like the other side of the galaxy where nobody's heard of Earth. So he's there and he's trying to find his way back, and he's just this typical. American NASA guy who likes to spout cultural references that nobody understands. <laughs> so he'll talk about baseball or Yoda or use weird euphemisms and metaphors and everybody's like, Crichton, we have no idea what you're saying. Kind of the whole beginning of that character, which is what O'Neill was partially based on in Stargate. Hmm. Just saying things that nobody really understood, even though they made sense to him. Which is weird that he would end up being the replacement for O'Neill. There was a Farscape uh, parody episode, even, in Stargate SG-1, where uh, 
some movie producer comes to Stargate Command to try and make a movie based on them going through the Stargate and they go through a bunch of ideas and it's like, no, that's ripped off of this. No, that's ripped off of that. And then they do like a flash to everybody being dressed up like they're in Farscape. And then when it comes back to the producer, he's like, I've never even heard of that one. <laughs> I would have decided I the episode of um, SG-1 where it's just Teal in the regular world. Partly just a circle for fish and water comedy, but mostly I love it when he fucking throws a football and just takes a mug around. Oh, yeah. When he's walking around in the real world. Well, not real world, you know what I mean? Yeah. Walking around like a common dude. That, that period. Oh, fucking, what's her? Varla? Is that the chick? Whatever the other, yeah, whoever joined, she was also in Farscape. I can tell you, I've never seen it. You should watch it. It's really good. I have to, um, from that period of, uh, what's his name? Like mid-90s to early 2000s sci-fi shows, the next thing I have to catch up on is Lex. I never liked Lex. I tried to watch it, like, twice. There's lots of weird, weird series that I want to watch from that like late nineties period. There's um, there's Lex that I want to catch up on that I enjoyed. Uh, Mutant. Have you ever heard of Mutant X? Yeah, I watched some of Mutant X. I I, I found out recently that that was actually a co-production with Marvel. Yeah. Like it was their attempt to make an X-Men series. Yeah. But they just didn't call it X-Men. Oh, what is that guy? John Shay? Yeah, John Shay. What have I seen him in? God damn it. I saw him in something before I saw him in Mutant X, and that's the only realize or the only reason I recognized him. Oh, Lex Luthor in uh Lois and Clark. That's who uh, he was. Yeah. Straight from DC to Marvel. Um there was a lot of just sci-fi shows that exploded after Next Gen became popular and while it was airing. Blacks, Farscape, Andromeda, the SG-1 series. To be fair, Andromeda didn't... Oh, I feel so bad for Andromeda. It could have been so good. But they just also fell short. No, the guy who played the guy, one of the guys in Atlantis went on to play Colorado in Game of Thrones. Didn't understand any of that. One of the guys in um, Star Trek Atlantis went on to play Colorado in Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, that uh, I never remember his name either. But he's yeah, he's really good. Was he was he an Atlantean or just flying? I can't remember how they were trying to do it. Like oh, he was a mercenary that just joined the Atlantis team. All right. Like I couldn't tell whether he was like, just a, like, a generic because like he was a. Uh, I, 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 the last episode I saw was one where like they're trying they're playing golf off the side of Atlantis, and he's just like using one hand and knocking the ball off the horizon. So I thought he might have had like superpowers or something. 
No, he was just uh, born and raised as a mercenary. And then the Wraith called his world, and he helped some of his people escape before he had to go a different way. Ah. Jason Momoa. That's it. He's yeah, good. He, uh, he also ended up being Conan in the not so great Conan movie. I've not seen that. I need to. I don't need to see that. So I just need to rewatch the original version. Yeah. God, what else is there? Nineties sci-fi. It was um a brief. Total Recall meets Blade Runner TV series called Total Recall 2029, 2027, 2019, something like that. I watched that. I think it's. Just, I think it was only one season. I think it only showed in Canada as well. Total Recall 2017. Yeah. 20, 20 something. 2070, 2012. No, no. Goddamn. Yeah, I watched it. It had a cool intro. That's the only reason I left the show on. Didn't have any idea what it was at the time, because I was like six, I think. And I just watched everything with... uh, Anything sci-fi because of... 2070. That's it. Because of Star Trek. Yeah, my, my whole family pretty much was just big into sci-fi because of my granddad who made us watch Star Trek yeah. and then I call my auntie one, my grandma just once asking my auntie oh did you see uh, did you see Coronation Street last night and my auntie said is that on the sci-fi channel <laughs> and no I didn't see it uh, oh yeah it was released in Japan and Canada what a strange place for it to be available. I think was it was it, uh, one of those um, Canadian companies that made it. Um, Canal, I think. Origin Canada on TV. Yeah, I don't know who the produced. It was filmed in Toronto. It was Canadian German co-production. CHCHTV. That's where the script ended up because, if I recall, that script was originally going to be both a Blade Runner and a Total Recall sequel, like two different things, and then eventually they just sort of smashed them together. Uh, and I don't even think it had a proper ending. No, it just I think it just ended after one season. Yeah. Firefly Syndrome, but without a movie. Definitely very short-lived, but that became the sequel to, I know the sequel to Total Recall sort of lingered around in Hollywood for a while, and then became uh, Minority Report. Yeah. And now we get a proper re-release, which actually looks really good, and I've heard nothing but good things about the Total Recall remake. The remake? Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, apparently it's doing really well. It's out? Uh, came out on Friday, I believe. Wow. Yeah. 
It I, I saw a lot of people just rag on it because of Colin Farrell. And Total Recall. I think I might be wrong. But I'm pretty sure it came out on Friday. No, I guess it hasn't. Oh, no, August. Oh, the previews were Friday for the critics. And they haven't put their stuff out yet. But a lot of people are saying it's actually pretty good. Unofficially. I saw... So a lot of people ragging it because of Colin Farrell, but I've always I've really enjoyed him ever since I saw it in Bruges. Yeah. Did you ever see Babylon Five? Babylon Five, I recall a couple episodes. Never watched that either. Oh, Sliders, that's a classic. I still have season one and two on DVD around here somewhere. That I would not call Highlander a sci-fi series. What Xena? This is stupid. It's got Xena and Hercules on here. This is dumb. This is a bad list. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think that's just kind of a chuck all generic sci-fi. Eh, that's a stupid into list. Into it. Let's see. Well, not generic, just all fantasy in general. Yeah. There's Doctor Who, original starch. These are a little early. Let's go a little later. Although I like this podcast has turned from Star Trek cast into generic late 90s sci-fi cast. Well, we can only talk about Star Trek for so long. Yeah. Star Trek's Next Generation, Babylon 5. I kind of want to watch Babylon 5, but I, I don't. It just, it's super, super drama-y, which is why I really didn't like Battlestar Galactica. Whole much drama. The... Remake? Yeah. I've seen that. I am. Um... Stargate. I, I, the, my main memory of Babylon 5 was they did a, a TV special. I believe it was a movie up that was the start of Babylon 5. They had the, set up the whole war with another race, and that became. Like, humanity became bankrupt, and then they eventually made peace, but they were completely bankrupt and almost dead, so they made Babylon 5 to some, try and secure peace. Yeah, it's a... It's like Deep Space Nine before Deep Space Nine. But with even more just talking and not doing things. <laughs> I like that description. DS9, a lot of people's complaints were they're just talking, which is exactly my complaint for Babylon 5. It's well, just my normal. favorite bit of Star Trek is talking. What she complain? See, so is mine, which is why I don't understand why. It, it's just I don't like the characters in Babylon 5. I think that's it. Uh, yeah. I can listen like, to a character like, talk as long as I like them. Yeah. Like I don't mind, I don't mind Cisco talking. I don't mind. I, like, I could listen to Benjamin. I could listen to uh, O'Brien and Julian just talk all goddamn day. Yeah, same with Quark and Odo bickering. I love it. But then it's just ugh, the show. It was boring. They loved their long story arcs. I think that's part of the issue as well. 
It's like, remember that character we introduced two seasons ago? He's a spy! <laughs> Didn't they do that with um, Enterprise as well? Star Trek, the, yeah, the new series Enterprise, where like, one of the main characters from the whole show turns out to be a spy randomly during one season. I have no idea. I didn't watch Enterprise. I don't blame you, but yeah. I just... As soon as Gene Roddenberry died, I think they probably should have just stopped making Star Trek stuff. Because when he died... Yeah. When Majel's Roddenberry... When his wife tried to take over... For Andromeda. Andromeda flopped. Uh, DS9, while it's good, lost a lot of fans that they picked up with Next Generation. And then Enterprise was just bad. Uh, Hey guys, Uh, right about here is where my uh, audio recording software just kind of cut out or at least there's no files after this point. Uh, So, abrupt ending, sorry. Uh, Thanks for tuning in for TNG cast slash mid to late 90s sci-fi episode. Um, God, this is going up really late due to editing and web hosting issues. Um, I say pretty much every week that I'm going to try and get these a little bit more regular. I'm lying every week so i'm just gonna lie again i'm gonna try and get these a bit more regular thanks for listening